Well, I'm guessing being a good practicing Catholic, you've tried your hand at adoration. If you're new to the practice and it seems a bit odd or awkward, my advice is keep at it. The wisdom of the saints teaches that much spiritual growth is to be had from basking in our Lord's presence in adoration. And it's a practice that, in a sense, goes all the way back to the beginning, which is the topic for our next Cup of Joe. Ten talks by ten theologians on the ten wonders of St. Joseph. Coming up in September, the focus will be St. Joseph, Adorer of Christ, and it will be presented by our friend Liz Kelly. Liz, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Patrick. Good morning. Good to good to have you on. Thank you. I almost said good to see you. I suppose that's inappropriate for radio work, <laughs> but uh, good to have you on. Good to hear you. How about that? Thanks. All right, Liz. Well, let's start off. Uh, I like to ask. We've had a number of the uh, Cup of Joe speakers on the program here, and I like to always start off just with a more personal question, and that would be specifically, um, what role has Saint Joseph played in your life? Have you uh, have you had some uh, good or bad or challenging times where Saint Joseph has seen <laughs> you through? Give us a little <laughs> sketch. Yeah, when I was a kid. Um... I I must have been about 10. I don't know. I was really little. And my parents, uh, my mom gave me a prayer to St. Joseph the Worker. Mm. And it was for good employment. And um, I must have prayed that prayer for 30 years, something like that. I mean, I, I, I took it into every job that I had. I remember when I was singing, it was in my gig book. And, you know, I just... I I so relied on that prayer. I was very attached to that prayer, and I don't think I've prayed it probably for the last ten years because I have had such good work. Mm. <laughs> he's he's so abundantly answered it. Yeah. But any any time anybody, and it's a prayer to Saint Joseph the Worker for good employment, and um, and uh, boy, he just says never ever ever let me down on. On that front, I have just found such great satisfaction in the work that I get to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's uh, so rewarding and so necessary, isn't it? That uh, that mm-hmm. we find uh, labor that well, is actually some that something well, that fills us and feeds us. Yeah, well, and I loved the language of it was talking about Joseph as as model and guide, and mm-hmm. that we want to be able to provide with dignity for those mm-hmm. who depend on us for care and support. And and I loved that it wasn't, um, I don't know, there was something about that that just seemed so properly ordered to me. It wasn't just about me getting a job that I'd really like, but it was about being able to provide for those who depend upon me um, with dignity. And I really loved that. So if you're looking for a job... <laughs> I highly recommend that one for the unemployed. That's great. And if I may say so, I think that has a little bit more integrity to it than the burying of St. Joseph upside down in your backyard to sell your house. <laughs> I'm not I don't want to attack that because Yeah, yeah, right. It seemed to to have some efficacy, but uh, you know, it, it, it's I, asking St. Joseph to sell my house in Boston did not work at all. So <laughs> I was I was a bit miffed at him for a few years ago. Well, there you go. There's some evidence, anecdotal though it may be, that uh, yeah. it doesn't always work. Okay, right, yeah. right. right. Fair enough. Yeah, very good. Um, well, uh, there's a rabbit trail there that I will not pursue, but uh, but instead steer <laughs> us back to, uh, yeah, you're our next presenter here on Cup of Joe. And if anybody's new to the uh, to the whole concept of Cup of Joe, let me just remind you, it's 10 talks by 10 theologians 
on the Ten Wonders of St. Joseph, and it takes place at ten locations in our archdiocese entrusted to the patronage of our spiritual father. And why Cup of Joe? Because they happen, these talks premiere on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram on the first Tuesday of the month, now through December, at 4 p.m., just in time for your afternoon coffee. And so that's what's coming up. So the next one will be Tuesday, September 7th with Liz Kelly, um, who we're speaking with now. So your title, Liz, is St. Joseph, Adorer of Christ. Mm-hmm. Let's start to break that open. What What does that mean about him, and what does it mean for us? Oh, that's a really uh, good question. Um, I was really drawn to that title when... Uh, Father Margavichus asked me to uh, be part of this program. I immediately chose that one. I said, well, I want Joseph as the door. And um, and then I thought, uh-oh, what did I do? What does that even mean? <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, yep. But, but I better figure this out. But um, adoration was such an important part of my own uh, re-entry into the Catholic Church. It's like, once I figured out, or once that uh, idea of Christ truly present in the Blessed Sacrament began to unfold in my imagination, it was irresistible. You know, the Church was irresistible. I couldn't stay away. And there is an aspect of that, of course, that is very hidden. <laughs> we don't see Christ uh, in uh the host in in a in a real way, but we believe that he is present there. And it just struck me that Joseph must have had a very similar experience. That is, there must have been an unfolding in him of understanding uh, whose presence he was in, uh, the the might and the glory of this incredible mystery of being the one to feed uh, Jesus, who would go on to feed the world, literally, yeah. with his his body and blood. So um, that connection of mm-hmm. feeding Jesus, who would feed us all, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I just thought that was, that was really something just delightful to to plumb in prayer. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm specifically your your comments are are so powerful, and uh, I want to get back to just adoration and its role in your returning to the Catholic Church here in in a moment. Mm-hmm. But but um, you know what I'm drawn to is I'm thinking of well, our our own crash our own nativity scene that we put out at, at Christmas time and then mm. um, and others that I've seen that that do depict Joseph in this sort of uh, adoring posture right mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. one of the things that so we have taken up in our tradition we actually put our we put our nativity set scene out um, during Advent. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. But listen, wait, folks, who are liturgical nerds like I am, they're, you know, <laughs> slaves to the liturgical calendar as I am. Mm-hmm. But we have a figurine that um, is similar to the one with that has the Blessed Virgin Mary holding baby Jesus. But we have a figurine that's a pregnant woman. And so during mm-hmm. Advent, it's a this pregnant woman who's standing there. And you know what? I'm just now tying together this this pregnant Mary um, mm-hmm. in our nativity scene, mm-hmm. with the adoring Joseph, that even there, mm-hmm. you know, I can see that, right? That he is adoring mm-hmm. 
even before he lays eyes on the child uh-huh. himself. And there's uh, this hidden quality. You right, know? exactly. It's like uh, God likes to do things in hiding. You know, he likes to do things in kind of privacy and quiet, like the Annunciation or the Immaculate Conception. I mean, there's so many different things that he chooses to do in hiding, and I think that must tell us something about yeah. how he reverences us mm. and and how reverence is really the key to adoration. If we want to ask, how did Joseph adore Christ? Uh, I think we could answer that by saying he reverenced him. Uh, he helped to nurture and uh, reverence all that he was and all that he was going to be. I think that's that's one of the keys, at least, for St. Joseph as a door. Right, right. Wow, man, there's just like three, four different ways I want to go in this conversation. But let's steer it back to, uh, let's steer it back this, to this, uh, to how adoration played a role in your return to the Catholic Church. Can you, would you be willing to break that open a little bit for oh, us? Oh, sure, sure. I was living in Alaska, and I was attending a really fantastic uh, evangelical church up there. Mm-hmm. The 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 pastor was one of the best scripture teachers I've ever had. Um, we It was uh, uh, going to church or to service was like study. It's like Bible study. You cracked open the Bible, and we went through the book of the Gospel of Matthew over two years, like just took wow. it apart line by line. So, you know, again, I um, I was understanding that you know, Bible school, Bible service was not accomplishing what the Mass was meant to accomplish. And even even though I had never, like, completely left the Church, I, um, I wasn't attending Mass regularly, and I really was spiritually lonely. I was missing the sacrament, and I couldn't have even articulated that at the time. And I don't remember exactly how I discovered this place. But it just so happens that in Anchorage, there is a monastery of cloistered nuns, the Sisters of Perpetual Adoration. Nice. And they had, um, you know, a public portion of their um, um, uh, sanctuary uh, was open at different hours for the public to come in. Of course, they're behind the grill. Mm-hmm. Um, and and um, And they had a sister who was on her knees 24 hours a day, you know, they rotated in and out in adoration and they had this huge host and it was encased in jade, which is the um, Alaska state stone. And somehow I discovered this place and the silence, the reverence, the, the, what they were doing in that place was palpable. You know, you yeah. could feel it. It was like, you know, yeah. walking in. And uh, it was so attractive to me. And I just started spending a lot of, I, I, I couldn't help myself. I started spending a lot of hours in that mm-hmm. place and just praying. And um, and it, it was very clear to me um, that something uh almost unbelievable was available to us there yeah that i wasn't finding 
in you know my evangelical church that that I loved, full of wonderful people and and great teaching, but Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament is just can never be replaced, mm-hmm. you know, by any kind of charismatic teaching. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, well. So, um, uh, so I'm so grateful to those little nuns. You know, I never got a chance to speak to one of them because they're silent. Um, nice. You know, they would flash their beaming smiles at you as you walked in. If they were outside, mm-hmm. you know, weeding the garden or something, and saw you, they were just filled with joy. And I think there was something about that too that. Their lives were so full and spoke so much, though they did not speak. You know, I thought, mm-hmm. how is that possible? And and yet it was sort of a perfect metaphor for what happens in the Blessed Sacrament. It's like his life speaks so much, but it's silent, you know. Uh, and we have to be willing to enter into that paradoxical tension of... Yes entering into conversation with the Lord that we do not see with our eyes, um, and but whose presence is nevertheless as real as anything could be real. Um, and I think once you get a little taste of that, boy, you just, you, you just can't resist it. You just can't mm-hmm. resist it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. What a, mm-hmm. Yeah, wonderful gift. Well, Liz, we only have a couple minutes remaining here, so I yeah. just want to give you um, one quick moment to say, just uh, give us, a, again, a little foretaste of what's coming up at the next Cup of Joe. So with that great testimony about the role of adoration in your life, how can St. Joseph help us in our practice of adoration of Christ? Mm, you know, I think, again, it comes back to a willingness to live uh uh, and enter into sort of the hidden mystery of Christ. Even St. Joseph's life is bit much mystery to us. Mm-hmm. We don't hear him. We don't see him a lot. Um, we don't know a great deal about him. You know, wouldn't it have been better if God had given us a lot of details on, like, this is how Joseph raised the perfect son, you know, a handbook, so to speak. But he does give us a handbook. It's just maybe not obvious. And there is something about willing uh, being willing to live a life that is hidden mm-hmm. and is protecting things that are vulnerable and growing, which is what Joseph's life did. He protected the years of Christ's life when he was growing and preparing for public ministry. Um, <clears throat> that can teach us uh what kind of posture we want to bring in to adoration. That is, we're entering into this very vulnerable space where God can protect and help us, nurture us, keep us hidden in Him, um, help us to be preparing for our public ministry, whatever that is. It could be, you know, wife, mother, teacher, you know, whatever our vocation is. Um but I hope that people will come away with a stronger sense that um, uh, to hide oneself away with Jesus in adoration is a great sign of reverence for oneself and and for him. 
Wonderful. Well, Liz Kelly, we are so grateful that you have taken the time to join us here on Practicing Catholic. We are grateful that you continue on your own vocation of spreading the good words and, and word and reflecting deeply on uh, the th- spiritual things of this world and how they can oh. alter our lives for the better um, because of the power of our own, our own Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Liz, God bless you in all you do. Thank you Thank for being you. part of the program today. Thank you, Patrick. It's always a pleasure to be with you. All right. So again, uh, Liz will be presenting St. Joseph, Adorer of Christ on Tuesday, September 7th. And uh, she, you can visit archspm.org slash cup Joe for all the viewing options. All right. We're going to take our first short break. When we come back, how can we support parents as the primary catechists of their children and nurture the domestic church? Bishop Cousins has some tips right after this. 